Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, you are very welcome to the Tonight Show. The Taoiseach has told the Dáil that he must have been briefed about the state's nursing home charges legal strategy as the controversy rumbles on. I must have been briefed on it. Um, ministers before me and after me were, as were the junior ministers, but I can't tell you when or by whom, in what depth or in what detail or whether it was written or verbal. Minister for Finance Michael McGrath joins me for his first sit-down interview since taking over from Pascal Donoghue. And later, the GEA's Central Competitions Control Committee has ordered a replay of the All-Ireland Senior Club football final between Kilmacud Croaks and Glen. I would be a Kilmacud Croaks supporter, but I think, in all honesty, they should play, and that's the right decision. Do join our conversation online with your comments or your questions. It's hashtag tonight's VMTV. Leo Varadkar has said the state has always contested whether charging medical cardholders for private nursing home care was illegal, adding that he would have signed off on such a strategy to contest these claims if he'd been asked. We can take a look now at some of the exchanges in the dial a little earlier. Successive governments have pursued a heartless legal and political strategy, a strategy designed by governments to draw out cases that they knew they could not win. Deputy, I believe this matter has been grossly misrepresented, including by you just now, in a very irresponsible way. The strategy was to defend the cases relating to private nursing homes on several grounds. I don't specifically know if I was asked to sign off on it being continued, but if I had been asked, Deputy, I would have. This was a sound policy approach and a legitimate legal strategy by the government. Did you, Taoiseach, ever question this legal strategy up, Deputy, to determine please. if it was fair? I must have been briefed on it. Um, ministers before me and after me were, as were the junior ministers, but I can't tell you when or by whom, in what depth or in what detail or whether it was written or verbal. Well, for more on this now, I'm joined by Fine Gael Senator and Member of the Health Committee, Martin Conway, Sinn Féin TD, David Cullinan and Health Spokesperson, journalist Valerie Cox and political correspondent at the Irish Daily Mail. You are all very welcome uh, to the studio. Craig, look, uh, your newspaper broke this story on Sunday. We've been discussing it for a number of days here, but I still think there's a little bit of confusion amongst the public about what exactly is um, the issue here. So perhaps you can just bring us back a little bit um, and explain the nub of this controversy. So this goes back to uh, the 1970 Health Act, uh, which would have given uh, the right for for free care for for people on medical cards in in public nursing homes. Um, An issue arose whereby there was no more space left in public nursing homes and that people who would have been entitled to free care um, had to go into private settings. Um, And and then 
were supposed to get a refund on this cost, uh, but it would never happen. And, and the state has disputed whether they were um, obliged to give this or not. Now, now the issue... Now, so if you were also put into a public nursing home and you were charged... <laughs> Um, there was a refund. There was a compensation scheme there. Yeah, that was that was that was a separate issue. There's, mm. there's two kind of separate issues there. There was a compensation scheme for people who were in public nursing homes and, and were, were charged for services in that. That that was all resolved. The issue mainly relates uh, to the private nursing homes side of things. And um, there was a bit of a subvention there for a time, but but it wasn't enough, and it led to people having to you know sell assets and, and give up the bulk of their income to afford this care. Um, now, Do we now, have any idea how many people this affected? Yes. So 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 in the documents, there's a figure of 250,000 mentioned and previously in the Dole Mary, Mary Harney referenced a figure of 300,000 so 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 quite a lot of a lot of people were, were exposed to this and also if you think that for the people who are um, medical card holders as well they not, wouldn't necessarily have had uh, the, the resources or means to take on the state in a legal challenge and I guess what's crucial to all of this is and what's what's referenced in the documents is that the state's ploy that any one that took a case they were they, it was, they were made sign a confidentiality agreement, and um, so none of these cases ever made it to court. So when you heard the Taoiseach, uh, Leo Varadkar, to say that look, we we didn't believe that the state was liable for this. Well, we never had a test case because the state moved all the resources um, to delay and to block people ever getting to court. And all throughout the documents, um, each year it's repeated, you know, OK, there's no, there's no test case we're likely to win, therefore a case never got to court. Now, the Taoiseach did obviously answer questions on this in the dial today and he said, you know, this story has been grossly misrepresented um, by the opposition and perhaps by your own newspaper, that this was a, a legitimate legal strategy. The state did not feel that they needed to compensate or refund these people and they were entitled to defend actions. Yeah, Is that I, not the case? Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because if the state felt... Um, that they were not obliged to pay, to pay these cases, then why not let them go to court and let an independent judge rule on that? The fact that they didn't do that bl blows their argument completely out of the water. But they would say there was more complicated than that, that perhaps there were certain issues in these cases um, that meant that, that that's, that's why they settled these cases. That's no, their argument, No, I, I, I think that, 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 that is nonsense. And I think what, what underscores uh, this as well <clears throat> is the 2010 report by, by the Ombudsman, who, who, who even said, and I quote, that, that you know, the actions of the state where at, at times showed a disregard for the law. Yeah. And, and today we had the Taoiseach come into the doll and say that he would, he would sign off on the same strategy again. I mean, I think people were, were shocked to hear that. Um, Valerie, do you remember when this all sort of came to light uh, a number of years ago? Do you remember these cases? I do, actually, yes, I do. And I remember how difficult it was, I mean, the human face of it, how difficult it was for families. Because if you think about it, it's very, very difficult to put a loved one into a nursing home, no matter how good it is. You're parting with them, you're taking them in, into a strange place, and that's very difficult for everybody. And dealing with the stress and trauma of that, and then being fleeced for a place in that nursing home is just appalling. And I know of families who were put to the pin of their collar to pay for private nursing homes, who gave up things, who gave up the little celebrations we all take for granted, the holidays, who they, where the loved one was 
worried, was there enough to bury them? I mean, a lot of older people really do worry about their funerals. But I mean, what it actually comes back to is the question of privatisation of our nursing homes. And this goes back to when we offered it, Charlie McCreevy offered a tax incentive Mm. to uh, companies to set up nursing homes. And do you realise that 20% of our nursing homes now are privately owned and many of the companies that own them are French and Chinese? So, you know, that doesn't send a great deal of com- comfort or confidence out for these families. Well, I think there's a number of people probably would say it doesn't perhaps matter who's running the nursing oh, homes. Oh, it does. It's run no, well, it, it matters. Let's just, let's just it matters a lot because if it's run by the health services, we're looking after the care of people. If it's run by a multinational, <laughs> then they're looking for profit. There is a big difference there. All right, look, I just want to um, move on to the actual issue today, which is um, whether or not refunds needed to be paid um, to these people and whether there was a strategy in government to try and thwart people from getting these refunds. Martin, you're on the Health Committee. The Health Committee want to look at this issue in more detail. But the Taoiseach has said uh, today in the Doyle, he said there was never a strategy, there was never a policy to refund people who had medical cards but had to go into private nursing homes. (coughs) And it was a legitimate strategy to, I suppose, fight any claim. If that is the case, and you accept that's the case, why does the Health Committee need to look at this? Well, I think the Health Committee has a responsibility to stress test all scenarios. And, uh, you know, we've requested all documentation uh, associated with this uh, particularly the memos and associated documentation uh, to come to the health, uh, to be made available to the Health Committee by next Tuesday. And we will bring the Secretary General of the Department of Health in the following Wednesday and we'll do a deep dive into exactly uh, uh, what the policy was. Do you feel there are questions or what are your questions? Well, look, I want to have absolute full transparency and disclosure for the Irish people. Uh, I think that's what they would expect of the Health Committee. But on the issue of whether uh, there was some sort of a, a secret cabal within the Department of Health, but particularly within government, uh, uh, to, to, to somewhat stymie uh, and uh, uh, create a, a policy of, of non-cooperation with the mm. people who go into it. I, I don't believe it, uh, that is the case. We have a situation... But how do, how, how no, do you actually situ- know that? Because we do have this memo yeah. that was published in the Daily Mail that said, extreme care, discretion and confidentiality in cases where there's settlements made because we don't want them to get a high public profile mm. that could spark a large number of claims. That sounds like there was a strategy. No, no that's a memo that was... Uh, 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 I haven't seen it, but David has it, but that's a memo... Uh, that was sent to, to government. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. mean the government necessarily follow uh, memos. Government get advice all the time. But the bottom line is this. Uh, the Attorney General has advised several ministers for health uh, on this matter. Okay. Uh, and the Attorney General is the legal advisor to the government. And if a minister for health uh, decides not to listen or take on board the advice of the Attorney General, and not just one Attorney General, several Attorney Generals, but I'd like to make that one there was point. no liability. Okay, I just, yeah, but want, I, I just want to make one, point there. Yeah, I want to make one final point, if I can. Uh, uh, the, the, the strategy was devised uh, in 2009, 2010, uh, uh, yeah. uh, before Fine Gael went into government. And also, okay, but subsequent health yeah, ministers were from Fine Gael. One other, one allowed, other, no, no, sorry, no, Martin, okay. I want to let Sorry. David Cullinan in here because you made a number That's of fine. points there. The very first word on this memo that was published in 2011, the very first word on it is secret. So that's what it says in the memo. And it was a memo prepared for government. And it was for the Minister for Health and for other senior ministers in government. It actually talks about confidentiality. It talks about uh, making sure that uh, this wasn't known, that this was kept uh, secret, 
that there was no uh, test case that could be proven in court, that the government could not f f find one sound test case, as they said, that they felt they could win in court. This isn't as complex as the government want to make it out. And I have to say, I get sick and tired of the government trying to make issues that are really clear, complex. The first issue... And the first wrong was that for 30 years, people were unlawfully charged in nursing homes. Yes, we know about that. Yes, the second issue was that there was a very callous, calculated, uh, and in my view, heartless strategy put in place, a legal and political strategy to frustrate people getting their just payments. Because, as was said by Craig, if the government actually believed their own position here, they would have allowed uh, these test cases. This legal strategy was never designed for any family to have a hearing in court. In fact, what they did was they dragged all of these cases out until it got to the point of disclosure. And then what did they do? They settled and bought some of the families yeah, off. But, but the last, the last and thing, kept it, no, no, kept the it secret. Thing, the last thing government want to do is to drag anybody before but the that's court, what you did. unnecessarily. Uh, what you fail to realise, David, is that a lot of these cases that were settled had a lot of mitigating circumstances. There was a lot of complex issues. Uh, you had some cases where people had moved from public nursing homes into private nursing homes. Uh, it's not a straightforward... I'll tell you what you had, It's not a straightforward... No, no, it's not a straightforward... Portraying it, it. You're trying to create an ABC situation for something that's much more complex than that. And I think the people out there okay. need, need to realize... No, no, I need to make, no, I need to make, no, no, I need to make this point of account. That's, complete, that's, complete, that's complete nonsense. No. We had an ombudsman's report in 2010 which set out the human consequences, Martin. Yes. People lost their homes. People had to work into their yes. 70s. There, yeah. and, and that was a consequence so of that can. failed okay. strategy but, and but, flawed strategy and callous strategy that your government put in place. Your government no, put this in and, place and, and, and kept no, no, it in place. Wrong. And you need to be corrected in this. The ombudsman report was issued before Fine Gael went into government. So get your dates right. There's no point in telling the Irish people uh, that this government... The memo was the your government. No, the, the, the memo... James Riley was no, a no, member. It was a Fine Gael minister, The strategy was designed... Of course it was still the there. The strategy, no, the strategy was designed before Fine Gael went into government. Okay. Yes, but you stood over it. Absolutely. This did over it. And, I mean, surely that's the okay, point. Like, like, sorry, like Valerie's Step here. up and yeah. take responsibility. And I also think it's important that people realise that th this is historical. What's in the, si it, what the situation... Okay, all right, Martin, oh, come it's not on. historical. Yes, it is historical. Yes, it is historical in one sense. Have you heard of Fair Deal? You're hysterical. Oh, I think the Fair Deal. Don't get me started on the Fair Deal. Would you like to know what the Fair Deal really does? No, no, we're not here. Sorry, we're not here to discuss Fair Deal. Seriously. nothing to do with this particular issue. What Leo Varadkar said even, you know, uh, I must have been briefed. What does this say for all the legislation that's coming before the man? He's looking at it. He doesn't remember it. I must have been briefed. That is an absolute disgrace. And the other thing which we need to look at is the expenses still being charged to people in the uh, private nursing homes. Do you know at the moment there's a nursing home charging people to go to mass? They're running a mass in the nursing home and charging everybody a fee. Now, what's that? What's right. going on there? Uh, OK. That's no, no, and I don't think have any evidence of no, that no, this evening. Illegal. And I want to just keep to it on that. this issue. No, I do. Craig, no. does the government not have a duty to defend the state where the legal advice to the government is that they do not have a liability? then they should have defended it in court where a judge could have made a ruling on it. I mean, you would expect the state to have the interest of the public at heart. And if, if an individual has been wronged by the state, that the state owns up to it and, and meets the responsibilities there. I mean, otherwise, where, where do you draw the line? 
But perhaps the government would say our duty is to everyone, not just to perhaps those who were wronged, but it's to the wider taxpayer to ensure that money isn't wasted at paying out defending claims I, I would, that perhaps the legal advice says we don't actually have any liability here. <laughs> that's not what the Ombudsman's no. report said in 2010. Yeah, that's the Ombudsman's Do the government have, not have a right, David? We, Sorry, just to let me don't. in here. No. There is the Ombudsperson report, but there's also legal advice. Does the government not have a right to rely on the legal advice that they were given, which said that they didn't have a liability? The government has absolutely no right to deprive citizens of their entitlements. The Ombudsman was actually very clear in her view that the department and the government okay. were wrong in their legal strategy. So was the Human Rights okay, Commission. Okay, so if Sinn Féin if were the, in office at the time, the are you actually, telling me... No, sorry, David, this is a really important issue. Mm -hmm. If Sinn Féin were in office, if you're the Minister of Health and you received advice like that from the Attorney-General, there is no legal liability of the state, mm -hmm. are you saying that you, as a Minister for Health, would say, well, I feel that we owe these people, therefore I'm going to compensate them? Yes, because I would have listened to the ombudsman. I would have listened to the families, people who lost and their homes. And you and wouldn't, wouldn't, the the chief, you wouldn't people, listen well, to the I, chief legal advisor to the government. I mean, people, that's a very serious situation. Because but we're going to a situation now when Sinn Féin go into government, they won't listen to the chief legal advisor to the government. But you might actually allow me to speak yeah. for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just, I, you I, could I just answer that you. issue. And I answered What I would do is I would stand up for those people who lost their homes, had to work into their 70s and had to live on less than €30 Euro a week because of the fact that they weren't compensated. But you would ignore the Attorney-General? Well, the government asked the Attorney-General for advice because they wanted okay. to put this strategy in place. I, yeah, wouldn't, have put, I wouldn't have put that strategy in place. I told you what, I would have put a fair compensation programme in place okay. from the outset because right. that's okay. the right if, thing to do. I would, I would stand up for, for those people who okay. were actually shafted by, by this do, do we expect, Craig, that there's going to be further cases now? I've got the feeling here that there are people out there, families out there, who feel that maybe they were entitled to compensation and they didn't get it. I think it's difficult now, given perhaps the statute of limitations mm. and the fact that there hasn't been a new case brought in several years. So, so that, that's difficult to say. I mean, from a political sense, we're going to be talking about this for, for the next month. I mean, we're going to have the Attorney General's uh, initial review into this. That's going to be published next week. We're going to have dull statements on, ne on next week as well. We've got two dull committees looking to get at this. This isn't going away anytime soon. I think that the, the, the fact that the only response that the government could give today was, oh, we'd do it again, I think it just doesn't hold water. Kira, the Health Committee yeah. are going to drill down into this. We're going to get all the documentation, uh, hopefully next week, and I would, I would urge the Department of Health to provide the Health Committee with the documentation in a timely fashion. We're going to hold a meeting after uh, the, uh, next Wednesday week uh, with the Secretary General of the Department and the legal advisors. They're going to be invited in, okay. and we will drill down, and we will find if there's sharp practice, and if there is, we will expose it. And what will you do about it? Well, we will expose it. As an Oireachtas committee, there's not a lot we can do, but we certainly can do a report and we can expose it. Not only does, but but, the, but does, the other point sorry, I'd like to... Sorry, just a quick question. Yeah. Does Leo Varadkar, as the Taoiseach and a former Minister for Health, does he need to come before the Health Committee? Uh, Leo Varadkar was Minister for Health for two years. He gets briefed every day of the week. He's been Taoiseach, he's been tarnished, and he's Taoiseach. So he's not responsible sense. for what's going on in his well, department? I, I, too much in his I think, he, actually, Leo Varadkar was very honest in the doll today when he said, I could have been... I could have been briefed, uh, but what he did, but the point he did point out, which is very important, that several 
uh, attorney generals give the same advice. All right. Several ministers got the same advice. And and there's one point I'd like to make as well. I mean, over the years, there's been lots of discussion documents from SAGE advocacy where everybody could have learned an awful lot. But the question I think we really have to ask is, are there no ethics? Are there no morals in the doll? Does nobody stand up and say, this is wrong, we can't do it? Or is it just a herd mentality where you take the lowest common denominator and run with it? Are there no morals there? Martin, but these were people that. who... Um, well, I, 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 I won't be questioned on my morals or my integrity by anybody because I, I, it's above reproach. But what I will say is this, that as a health committee, we will drill down. We will go into the detail. And if we discover that there's something wrong, we will call it out. That's our job. Is there a culture, is there a culture, do you think, David Cullinan, that where the state does wrong by a person, that they don't automatically, instinctively try and address that wrongdoing? Of course they there fight. is. Look at cervical check. Look at South Kerry Cams, even in most recent times. Look at this issue. The memo that we now have is clear and black and white that the department was very concerned about more cases being taken. There was tens of thousands of people who could have taken cases who didn't know because this was kept confidential and secret. That's the reason why more people didn't take cases. They didn't want one case to go to court. They prevented any hearing actually going to court and they settled and bought some families off at a fraction of what they were entitled to. If that's not cold or if that's not callous, I don't know what isn't. And I believe yeah. it's fundamentally okay. wrong. And it's important to it is your newspaper that, that broke this story. I think the difficulty that... Thousands of people went into private nursing homes Sorry, Martin, I, think okay. that. I think the difficulty that the government is going to have with this is over successive scandals relating to the health service that were historical to the to the politicians in power, they've all said this shouldn't happen. It won't happen again. We won't have such an ad- yeah. We won't have such an adversarial approach. Now we have something that came on their desk, and they continued that process to move the weight of the state against the public. All right. Look, we're going to have to leave it uh, there to now. For now, no doubt we will return to this issue throughout the week. Uh, my thanks to all of the panel for joining me this evening. After the break, Finance Minister Michael McGrath joins us for reaction. Taoiseach Leo Varadkar has said there will be an announcement by the middle of next month on the cost of living financial supports. Ministers are due to sit down next week and look at the options available to them and decide what measures might be continued and what might be stopped. The reduced VAT rate for gas and electricity is due to expire at the end of February, as well as the reduced rate of excise duty for petrol, diesel and home heating oil. Well, joining me now here in studio is the new Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath. Minister, you are very welcome to the programme. Thank you, Kira. Before we get to those cost of living uh, measures, which I know is one of the main things on your entry at the moment, I just want to uh, look at this nursing home refunds controversy um, that we've all been discussing for the last number of days. Um, How do you feel the state treated people who were wrongly charged for their stays in nursing homes? Well, it hasn't been established that they were wrongly charged by the private nursing homes. And what we have agreed today at Cabinet is the 
that the Attorney General will uh, have a detailed look at this. He will provide an account to Cabinet uh, next week of the full history of this issue. And we have committed to publishing that report next week. There will be statements in the Dáil and uh, I expect that the Oireachtas Health Committee will examine uh, the issue in detail as well, as is right and proper. I mean, this is a historic issue. Uh, there has been, certainly since 2009 at least, a proper legal basis through the Nursing Home Support Scheme legislation. Uh, prior to that, there was an issue in relation to charges imposed on people in uh, long-stay public facilities, and there was a scheme of redress. Almost half a billion euro was paid out in respect of that, um, but it has not being the established position and it was never the policy intent of government or the Oireachtas uh, that the state would in all cases for those years in question have to pay for the care of people in private nursing homes. Uh, that has all since changed with the new scheme. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. the Fair Deal scheme, uh, which has been reformed and modernised over the years. So yeah. we are dealing with a, a legacy historic issue, but we will examine it properly uh, to see exactly what occurred. And you say it wasn't the government's position to refund people who had these stays in private nursing homes, although I know the ombudsperson at the time had reports which stated that people would have been entitled, uh, she felt, to compensation and refund. But the accusation from opposition is that the approach from government was to to stonewall and play hardball with people who may have had legitimate claims. And the Taoiseach said today, yeah. yes, there was a legal strategy, but that was sound. That was a sound policy. Do you agree? Well, I mean, the opposition have already reached a conclusion and have made the allegation that it was definitively the case 
that the state had a liability here to the persons concerned. And that is not the position. I mean, it is always the case that the state will uh, will get legal advice, uh, privileged legal advice, will consider on a case-by-case -case basis any proceedings that are bought, brought against the state. But when you look back over the record, you look back over the Oireachtas debates, you look back over the legislation, it was never the policy intent of either the Oireachtas or the government, uh, that members of the public, for those years now, before we had a statutory scheme, uh, who were staying in private nursing homes, even with a medical card, that the state would be picking up that bill. Uh, that was never the established position. No, it wasn't the established position, but some individuals did take cases against the yeah. state and they were settled. And this memo, this controversial memo, says that extreme care, discretion and confidentiality in the case of these settlements that were settled uh, needs um, to be exercised to ensure that they don't gain a high public profile and spark a large number of claims. So it seems to suggest that there was fear on the part of the government that they might have a liability and what they needed to do was to keep it under wraps so as few people knew about that potential liability as possible. Yeah, That's and I what think the memo suggests quite clearly. I think legal story. advice will, will always be cautious and uh, will advise government accordingly and it is a matter for government ultimately to make the final decision. Um, but I think what's important here is that we are open and upfront. It is a legacy issue that goes back a long number of years. It doesn't relate to anybody in a nursing home now or in recent years because we have a statutory scheme uh, no, enshrined but the, in law. This, this strategy um, was devised by previous ministers of health, but yeah. we have been told that current um, ministers and the current Taoiseach would have had an awareness of this strategy and allowed it to continue. Well, it was based on the advice given to government and given to relevant ministers throughout all of those years. Uh, this was not something that they would have come up with themselves. They were given advice uh, by the Attorney General of the day and there were successive Attorneys General who gave uh, similar advice. But it's important we do a deep dive, that we examine all of this properly uh, to see uh, exactly what are the net issues involved here uh, and to get to the bottom of that question of whether the state actually had a legacy liability but certainly in any individual case, you know, the state will take advice. Um, it is only um, proper that the state's interests be protected as well. Um, but of course, that shouldn't be the, at the expense of the rights and entitlements of citizens. And, and, and so the, we have to tease that out. That is the sense here, isn't it? That the states, that the governments put protecting the state's finances before compensating members of the public who were perhaps wronged by the state. Perhaps I think is the appropriate word there. We don't know that that is the case. And certainly the uh, the practice and the strategy that was pursued was in place for a long number of years. Uh, it became established based on the legal advice at the time. It is the case that individual cases that were brought against the state uh, were settled, but every case uh, is different. So this issue has not been definitively tested uh, before the courts. And so what we've committed to doing now is going back over all the files, the Attorney General uh, today uh, will examine the issue, will report to government and we're going to publish that. Do you fear now that, hearings. that there will be a test case and that the government may find themselves liable to compensate people? It is always possible that somebody will take a case. You can never uh, discount that uh, scenario. And in that case, the state will examine exactly what are its legal obligations uh, and will deal with that accordingly. Um, are you fearful about 
the possibility that there could be a number of people out there, uh, Minister, who are entitled to compensation. I mean, the figure that was put at one stage was somewhere between 7 billion and 12 billion in terms of the compensation that the state might have been liable for. Yeah, but similarly, in the case of um, persons in, in public uh, nursing homes or public long-stay facilities, uh, the estimate that was given at the time was something like €5 billion. The actual cost came in at over €480 million. Euro, but it was never uh, the intent of the state, of the Department of the Government, or indeed of the Oireachtas, from looking at the records uh, that the state would be covering the costs of people in private nursing homes. During those years, there was no statutory scheme. There was no okay. legislative okay. basis for that. So we have to examine this now uh, through the prism of today, yeah, while recognising what were the established practices at the time. You, you know, you can feel that there's a culture, whether it's, you know, MICA, whether it's cervical check controversy, that where there's wrongs done to people, that it's this, not the state's main objective to right those wrongs. Well, if there were wrongs done uh, to people, then the state absolutely has an obligation to step in and to fix that. And, you know, we have not been found wanting when it comes to MICA. We signed up to a two to three billion euro scheme, the same in relation to apartment defects. So there are issues. So they're, they're willing to do mea culpas. Well, we will examine the issue, but we're not going to jump to conclusions before the proper analysis has been done. But I think it is clear that everything that the state did in the way it approached this issue over all of those years was based on legal advice and the state is entitled uh, to consider that advice uh, to adopt a particular strategy. But of course, that should never be at the expense of the established legal rights of our citizens. And so we will get to the bottom of it. All right, uh, Minister, I want to move on because you do have a new portfolio. You are our new uh, Minister for Finance and it's 13, 13 odd years since we've had a Fianna Fáil minister in this role, uh, back in charge of the country's purse strings. And you had to take this job from your friend and your colleague, a coveted role uh, from Pascal Donoghue. What can we expect from a Fianna Fáil minister that perhaps we didn't um, get from a Fine Gael minister? What's going to differentiate the two of you? Well, we have a programme for government and so... My responsibility as a Minister for Finance is to ensure we have a strong economy. We continue to pursue pro-enterprise policies that have served us well. Over the last couple of weeks, I have met so many uh, investors who are putting their money into Ireland, whether they be foreign direct investment clients of the IDA, whom I met at the World Economic Forum, uh, other investors I met in London last week when I had a meeting with the, the Chancellor of the Exchequer. So the protection of the economy, uh, pro-enterprise policies, and of course, guarding the state's finances uh, carefully will be a top priority. But I would make the point that, you know, I was Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform for the last two and a half years. Minister Donoghue and I would have worked very, very closely on all of the major fiscal decisions uh, involved during that period. We had three main budgets, a number of other fiscal interventions dealing with COVID-19, dealing with the war in Ukraine, the cost of living uh, implications for our country. Uh, so I've been directly involved in all of those decisions over the last two and a half years. And was that uh, and now we continue to work together uh, that we have uh, switched roles. Yeah, was that important to you as a member of Fianna Fáil that you got this position, the Minister of Finance, to show the public that Fianna Fáil can be completely trusted with the public finances again? Well, it's not about me personally or about the party, but it is about having balance within government. And uh, this it wasn't was, about restoring faith in some way? No, well, the, um, the positions that would be held... Uh, 
after the rotation of the Office of Ndishuk uh, were agreed at the time of the negotiations. So that has been honoured by all of the parties. Um, but I think continuity is important in relation to uh, policy. You know, I am very proud to be a member of Fianna Fáil, to be a finance minister uh, from my party. I acknowledge the responsibility I have to the country uh, and I can assure people that I will discharge that responsibility uh, to a very high standard. People can look at my own professional background, uh, my involvement in, in the private sector, uh, the fact I was an opposition spokesperson okay. for finance for nine years, responded to nine budgets, uh, had an influence during so the confidence and supply and have served in government since 2020. So, you know, I have a lot of experience to bring yeah. to the role, but I'll be working with colleagues. All right. Let's look at what's in your entry now. One of the big things is uh, the subsidies and supports that this government introduced over the last number of months to help people with the cost of living crisis. Uh, Eamon Ryan said recently, we need to wean ourselves off these credits and subsidies. Um, is that your attitude too? Well, first of all, the reason why we were in a position to make these interventions uh, is because we have an economy that is healthy and we have public finances that are in good order. Um, in many ways, the health of our economy, the strength of our public finances um, are the envy of colleagues throughout the world and certainly uh, at the European Union. Mm. And so, that so I think a lot of people might be saying, then why do we need to wean ourselves off these well, subsidies if we can afford them? Well, we have to ensure that we protect the economy, that we manage the nation's finances uh, prudently as well. But it is important that we have that flexibility to step in and step out as appropriate. You know, we introduced uh, a budget with 11 billion euro of new measures uh, at the end of last September. About 4 billion of those measures were, were one-off measures in nature. Uh, we did uh, make a number of interventions in relation to uh, VAT on gas and electricity, household bills, uh, excise on petrol and diesel. We have a business energy support scheme. Uh, and they're all and due to come to an end at the end of this month. But the Teacher has said there won't be a cliff edge. So can people expect there'll be some sort of an extension, particularly when it comes to things like the excess duty on petrol and diesel or the VAT cuts uh, on our electricity and gas well, bills? Well, we, we've given a commitment. They're not all going to end entirely uh, at the end of February. Like We acknowledge that many people are still under real pressure. Inflation has not only peaked, it's falling. That's a good thing. Uh, we're on the right track in that regard. But inflation falling is not the same as prices falling. And I acknowledge that. And I know a lot of big bills are landing in the month of January, have landed in recent weeks in relation to gas and electricity. And it's an expensive time of year. So the government recognises that. And that's why we've given the commitment. We're not going to be ending uh, all of these supports at the end of February. So is there some uh, good news do, for people then? But we do have to strike the right balance between ensuring that we have money in reserve to step in again as necessary. And that, for me, underlines the importance of being flexible, that the government has to be agile and be able to respond and that does mean at the level of principle that if we make interventions, we have to be able to withdraw them at the appropriate mm. time. So we, what people we, would love to know tonight is what interventions do you think need to be continued and what perhaps need to be tapered off at this point? It's a judgment call, which we will make uh, as a government over the next couple of weeks. And there will be uh, discussions with the party leaders, uh, with my colleague, Minister Donoghue. And I very much look forward to those discussions. I will make a presentation in relation to the key taxation issues. When I came into office in December, I asked my officials to do an assessment of all of the measures. Uh, and they are now concluding that work. I'm engaging with them. I'll be presenting that to uh, my colleagues in government. And I will be making recommendations over 
for the next couple of weeks. And, and we, the, will, in we terms will give clarity to people, uh, you know, well before the end of February. We know people want to know uh, where they stand. So we should get that in the next couple of weeks? Next couple of weeks or so. In terms yeah. of the energy credit, this €200 Euro energy credit, and there's one more due, do you see that as more of a winter measure because that's when people's bills are at their highest? Well, I think that's when it's most effective and that's certainly when people most need the help because energy use is higher and certainly many people have been sending me their own bills um, by way of, of just real life examples of the kind of costs that they're facing and a lot of people have you know seen their bills double relative to this time last year so that that is really hurting people and that's placing a real strain on a lot of household budgets so we applied one in January uh, the fourth one will be applied uh, in the month of March and we have made no decisions beyond that uh, or immediate focus now is deciding on the measures that are currently due to expire at the end of February and in making those decisions we will be taking account of just the real life experiences of people. We also have the business energy support scheme uh, which is only up and running in recent weeks and uh, a lot of businesses are now applying as recently as yesterday um, and we extended the deadline uh, because people who hadn't applied um, by the end of January were to lose the benefit from September. So the revenue have agreed to extend okay. that, which I think is the right thing to do. Uh, you mentioned businesses there and one of the supports uh, for businesses, but one of the other real supports for businesses has been the cut in the VAT rate from 135 to 9%. And a lot of businesses, I have to say, who came in here seem to be quite confident that given trading conditions, that that VAT rate um, would be extended, that cut would be extended. Should they be confident? Because they seem to be more concerned, given your comments at the weekend, that it well, had cost, you know, in lost tax, almost a billion euro. Yeah, well, again, it's one of the measures that, that fall due to expire at the end of February. It was introduced uh, in November 2020. And it does come at a significant cost. Last August, the decision was made that it would end at the end of February. That was reaffirmed in the budget. Uh, and that was the basis of uh, the numbers within the budget for 2023. And uh, so we have to consider the economic impact of that measure, the impact on jobs, but also consider the cost to taxpayers. And when you're in the position I have, you do have to look at all of these things in the round. And you acknowledge that, of course, there are benefits to any particular measure. There are benefits to any reduction and tax, but there are also costs and you have to consider the opportunity cost. What else could we do with um, the several hundred million it would cost to extend that, for example? And it is about prioritisation and it's about choices. And so we will be discussing that measure along with the other ones in the next couple of weeks and, who does and come into a decision in the round. Who does this government really want to prioritise? The priority is to support um, people, so support households who are struggling with the cost of living. Uh, that is our absolute priority and also to protect jobs. And that's why we did bring in uh, an energy support scheme, okay. which is now up and running. I think those are our two priorities. Look after people in what we acknowledge is a really difficult time for so many, but also protect jobs and the employment base that we've built up with a record number of people now working in Ireland. And we oh, know right. there are headwinds. So those are the two twin, I think, priorities that we have. All right, look, we're going to have to leave it there. But uh, Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, thank you for coming into the Tonight Show this evening. Lots more after this break.
GAA's Central Competitions Control Committee has ordered a replay of the All-Ireland Senior Club football final between Kilmacud Croaks and Glen after a hearing last night. Controversy has raged since the original decider on Sunday the 22nd of January when the Dublin champions defended the final play of the game with 16 active players. Well, for more on this story now, we're joined by sports journalist Daniel Hussey. But first, let's just get a flavour of some of the views the public have on this. An extra man would make a lot of difference. I would be a Kilmacud Croke supporter, but I think, in all honesty, they should play, and that's the right decision. The extra person was on the pitch, and it was just a sort of an error. It could have happened anybody. And on top of that, a lot of the players, some of them are, would be away, gone off, and they have other arrangements. One of them, in fact, is getting married, as far as I'm aware. So, I mean, the whole thing should have been left as it was. I think it's easy playing the ref. Your man knew what he was doing. He was on the pitch, like. So, fair is fair. Fair is fair, so say the public, Daniel. Uh, how did we get to this point? Yeah, it's a good place to start just to kind of take people back a bit. So, it was Sunday afternoon. I was double screening the Arsenal-Manchester United game. And so I had the GA game and it was on mute. And uh, I saw the last free kick and it went wide and that was that. And I actually got a message from a friend of mine who was at the game. And he said, I'm 90% sure they're... they're Kilmacud Crows had an extra player on because Darren Mullen, the substitute, has come off. So after subsequently after that, maybe an hour or two later, the, everyone saw the still photos came out. It was all over Twitter. So we're at about 8 or 9 p.m. on Sunday where everyone realised that we were going to have an issue with the 16th man with Kilmacud Crokes. Now, it was only for that one free kick, but I guess it was for a crucial period in the game. So look, long story short, you would... Ultimately, Kilmacud... Uh, yeah. Croaks won this game. Yes, they ended up winning the game by two points. You can see it here. This is the last play. Darren Mullins' position just on the line there and he's, he's kind of making his way up. If you count the players up here, you see that there's 16 players on the pitch. So it was only for that one play, but I guess it was a crucial part of the game. There's Darren Mullins walking off the pitch subsequently from the 45. Now, this is the real interesting thing. The ref probably should have added another minute, minute and a half, but he kind of blew the whistle. So ultimately, it was a massive mistake by the officials um, and you would think the GA. Put this way, it was an All-Ireland inter-county like Kerry and Galway. And Kerry had 16 players out in the last second of the game. The GA 100% would have come out on Sunday evening and said, look, this is, this is an issue. And the officials made a massive error. We're going to either order a replay or find the team or subsequently hand the cup to Galway. Which but they the didn't. What was the reaction on the day and in the days afterwards? So it just left this massive vacuum. So everyone had the rule out in front of them. The three options, which I just touched on there, replay, fine, or award the cup to Glenn. And all it left then was speculation. And what that drove was a bit of kind of anger towards each other. So Glenn and Kilmacud, Glenn had a decision where the only way they can get the, a chance at a replay was appeal the result themselves. So straight away, you're putting Glenn and a lot of their amateur club committee into a difficult decision. So what ended up happening was they were left till Tuesday evening to make that decision. They decided to appeal and basically Kilmacud croaks um, 72 hours later again appeal their appeal. So it ended up being to the CCC, the Central Competitions Control Committee, and they made a decision today to order a replay. So that's where we're at right now. Uh, because as difficult as it might be for people to hear, the rule is quite clear here, isn't it? If there's 16 players on the field when there shouldn't obviously be, one's been substituted and they haven't come off immediately, these are the consequences. That's it exactly. Like It doesn't state if it's, your, if, if it's intentional or not, which is why Glenn have, a, have won the appeal essentially. 
But Kimmel could would point that this was an official's mistake. You could even see the confusion in Paul Mannion. There was technically a 17th player on the pitch. Now, Paul Mannion was only two or three yards on the pitch, in fairness. But it just showed the confusion that had ensued, given there was a bit of time wasting and there was injuries. And it was just pandemonium, which, to be honest, like most GA games tend to be, there tends to be this pandemonium. David Goff, who's uh, an inter-county referee, one of the biggest ones, he was on a podcast during the week, and he said the substitution protocol in the GAA is ultimately flawed. If you compare it to the likes of soccer, you have to wait till a player comes off the pitch. Now, technically, by rule, you have to do that in GA, but that's never been uh, implemented at all. It's, it is similar to rugby, so you could argue that it, it's fine to have players come off the pitch and player come on at the same time. They can just leave it up to the players and the management. But with rugby, the clock has stopped and it doesn't get restarted, so the referee's happy that there's 15 players. So it, it's, it's a complicated system that GA has. And, and look, it's, it was a million to one that this actually happened and a million to one it happened in the All-Ireland final. So it was very unlucky in that sense, but that's where we're at the moment. Do you think this replay is going to go ahead? See, that's the thing. I, I'm not too sure it will at the moment. And kind of the talk is that Kimmelcud will probably appeal this appeal, which means it goes to another appeals committee. And that will be three days for Kilmacud to appeal, another three days for the GA to make that decision or that committee. And then it goes to the DRA. So for those that don't know what the DRA is, it's Distribution Resolution Authority. And what they do is essentially act as a court for the GA. So most fam famously or infamously, Dermot Connolly, 2015 All-Ireland semi-final, he got hit, allowed play on the, on the Sunday morning of the All-Ireland final or All-Iron semi-final. And he was allowed to do because the uh, process wasn't followed. I'm guessing here the process has been followed to the letter of the law, which means... If it does go to DRA, they'll probably rule that either Glenn get the a re, a replay and if Chemical don't play the replay, Glenn will end up winning the trophy. And if that happens, Glenn might even give the trophy back to Chemical Croak. So that's sort of where we're at at the moment. Well, what's the reaction change, been from both sides at this point? Well, I think Chemical, if, 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 I'd be fairly certain if the GA had come out at the start and said it's a replay or a fine to Kimmel, if they said a fine, I think Glenn would have been happy on the Sunday evening. And if they said a replay, I think Kimmelcode would probably have gone along with it. The fact it's been allowed to gather a momentum seven, eight days, Kimmelcode don't want to play a replay at the moment. And they see it as an official mistake, which it ultimately was. However, the real State will ultimately go down on the Glenn side. So then Glenn, like I'm guessing, and just from hearing a little talk about from Glenn, they're kind of split where a lot of people are like, we, we deserve a replay and some just want to let it go. Whether it gets to a case in three or four days where Glenn decide, We've made our point. We were real correct. Let's just pull the plug on it. And vice versa will come a good crowd. So nobody knows. It's so. a bit of a wait and see. All right. Uh, well, we'll keep people updated. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for coming in to us no uh, this evening with that. Well, that's it from us here on The Tonight Show. Ireland AM will have more on the replay controversy from 7am tomorrow morning. But from all of the late team here, good night and do take care.